there's a lot of fire chiefs that think that they're the reason their fire departments are successful. It's because of their people. It's because of the, number one, the firefighters who do all the hard work. Uh, but it's because of the, the people they have uh, working with them and for them. Enchanted Sky Media. 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 This is Code 3, the podcast for firefighters. Now, here's your host, Scott Orr. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again this week. Today I'm talking with Chief Rick Lasky. He'll be in Prescott on November 1st at Yavapai College to talk about leadership, and there's a link to the registration details for that speech on our website. Go to code3podcast.com slash Lasky. Rick's a 37-year veteran of the fire service. He served as chief of the Louisville, Texas Fire Department for 12 years. Rick began his career as a firefighter in the suburbs on the southwest side of Chicago. And hey, that's where I'm from too. And he's written a book titled Pride and Ownership, and you can get that at our website too. Rick joins me now. Welcome to Code 3, Chief. Uh, Thanks, Scott, for having me. And first off, I appreciate you fighting the fight. Uh, I've got a couple of friends with Parkinson's and... um, uh, you know, um, those that choose to, to fight the fight, to, they, they, they do a great job with it. And God bless them. And uh, God bless you. Thank you for everything you do. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks, Chief. That's very thoughtful of you to say. All right. So one of the basics of what you call five alarm leadership is to apply the idea of incident management to the business world. How would that work? Well, one of the things uh, uh, that we found, this, this kind of happened. My, my best friend uh, is, uh, just retired as a battalion chief in New York City, John Salka. And what we realized um, shortly after September 11th, um, uh, we started teaching the Five Alarm Leadership Program back in the mid-90s, 95, 96. But, you know, and, and teaching it to pretty much the fire service. We did a few of our, our armed forces, some of the different uh, branches and that. But what we found out uh, shortly after 9-11, like months afterwards, is that how we apply the incident command system to running an incident, the incident management system, running a fire, an incident, MCI, hazmat, whatever, if you took that broke that down, um, it actually works well when you apply those same functions, uh, if you will, to the business world. And there's always been uh, folks from the military. There's been some great speakers, some great uh, Leadership coaches and consultants have come out of our armed forces. God bless them. Uh, but but out of the fire service, with the exception of an incredible, incredible man, I hope we have time to talk about him, uh, Chief Alan Brunacini, um, uh, and a couple of, you know, there's been very few that have kind of reached outside, um, if you will, the fire service, the public safety world, in the private sector. Uh, as soon as we realized that, that you know, those same uh, points that we make in that class, those same, you know, areas we cover applied um uh, it, it just everything the gates opened up and we were we were kind of teaching everywhere you know i was going to mention something that chief bernicini said a little later 
But it seems like now is a good time to bring it up. He was on the show a few weeks back. He said he thinks the bosses in many fields are the ones who need the retraining, not the employees. That sound about right to you? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I think um, sadly, and you, you can see it. One of one of the one of the sayings I borrowed from Chief Brunacini, uh for years was "Egos eat brains," and unfortunately, there's a lot of the big bosses out there that have forgotten. Uh, I said this in my Pride and Ownership keynotes back in 2001, uh, and I believe in it fiercely that there's a lot of fire chiefs that think that they're the reason their fire departments are successful. Their heads could be higher in the clouds, you know what I'm saying? It's because of their people. It's because of the, number one, the firefighters who do all the hard work. Uh, but it's because of the, the people they have uh, working with them and for them that are making this all happen. Some of the company officers, some of the uh, shift chiefs, you know, we got to remember that that about 80% of the fire departments in the United States, give or take, um, are still volunteer. They're still the backbone of the fire service. But regardless of whether you're a volunteer or career firefighter, um, good chiefs, good big bosses realize that they're just kind of helping steer the ship a little bit. You know, they're the ones that are kind of guiding, leading everything else. But but the people that work around them and for them and with them are the ones that make for a successful fire department. And what we see is a lot of the big problems we have uh, when I go and do some consulting or some fixing, if you will, a fire department, Scott, is that it, it usually comes down to some poor leadership or some poor decisions on the, the, the fire chief, not necessarily those that are around them. Or actually someone made a bad decision, you know, or, or you know, erred, if you will, um, and now you've got a big boss taking care of it that doesn't do it the right way. And you know, be, anyway, yeah, you're, exa- you're exactly right. Chief would have seen you hit it right on the head that what we're missing it is we're missing getting the word out and getting the training and what we need to to the people that are the up-and-coming big bosses. And I think Bruno had a unique grasp on that. He definitely understood that concept. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, you know, God, God bless him. I, I still can't believe he's gone. Um, what, what an incredible man. Um, he's always been a mentor of mine. I love him dearly. Uh, he's a very good friend. And um, uh, I had one, actually, coincidentally, I had, you know, I've had I've had some great FDIC advisory board meetings over the year. I, I, I had the honor of sitting on the, um, uh, the advisory board for FDIC, the Fire Department Instructors Conference in Indianapolis. And um, I've been doing that since Penwell bought it in roughly 96. Uh, I've been writing for them since 95. But um, I, you know, I rode in the car from the airport with Bruno, and then, you know, we sat next to each other. And just it um, – it was one of the best meetings I've had in a long time. I'm trying not to get choked up talking about it. He was just, it was just, I had, I had a great time with him. I always do, but this one was something special. And I even told my wife when I came home, but what a great man. But he, you know, the key to, to Alan Brunicini and his success, I think was two things. One was he was always about Scott. He was always about 10 miles down the road ahead of us with his thinking. While we were kind of, stuck here and thinking this he was always thinking of the next thing and 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 when you think about that this is where people have difficulty when they think about what's going to be the next big thing in the fire service they they end up it's it's to, it's helicopters and carabiners and jumping on airplanes and and Bruno had this way of simplifying things he brought he would he would reel us all in and and 
I always called him the great simplifier. Great leaders, it's a Colin Powell quote, great leaders are often great simplifiers that could cut through the muck and the mud of debate and come up with a solution everybody can embrace. And that was Chief Brutacini. Um, he just had this way of grabbing a hold of you and say, Rick, 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 come, come on back here, back, come on back up a little bit. It's right here. He was the force for the trees guy. And his, his success, uh, no one will ever, ever even come anywhere close to what that man accomplished in the fire service. I, I'd like to see us all strive to because we'd be better, but you'll never get there. Um, but he had a way, Scott, of just doing that, of, of, of simplifying things uh, in a world where some of us sometimes want to really complicate things. And uh, I'm not talking dumbing down the fire service. I don't mean that. Very, very smart man. And uh, firefighters are, are, are incredible people. I'm just saying he had this grasp on what we needed to do. It's a, his whole Mrs. Smith concept and concept and just a simple phrase, be nice, nothing fancy. And, and it, and it, and it, 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 it resounded with so many people and it's still, and hopefully will forever. Uh, but that's what he had. He had that way of, of no one was not important to him from the newest firefighter to the oldest. Um, he, he cared about everybody. And, and I wish we had more bosses that, that, that picked up on those leadership traits. And he was a big proponent of customer service. I mean, you know, the Mrs. Smith line. But he was a big proponent of treating people well at a scene and not being brusque. And that I found to be very refreshing. Well, and it was. He was, he, Scott, he was just such a down-to-earth person. You know, it's kind of funny because... You know, um, he was very good. You know, his Hawaii, everybody, everybody knew him for his Hawaiian shirts and not being like, you know, all into like the fire buff side of things. But then a lot of people forgotten and pay attention. He restored the, I think the first fire engine he, he rode out of Phoenix. He spent over 20 years restoring that Mac pumper that he has stored, you know, at his house. Um, he loved the job and he, he loved the people. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the things that, that, that this whole five alarm leadership series is about 16 programs of fall underneath that hit on is something that, that Bruno taught me a long time ago is that if we're not going to train, we're not going to train our firefighters and mentor our firefighters to be company, good company officers, then the pool of candidates we're promoting is going to be weaker. There'll still be some great ones, but there's going to be less. And if we're not training and equipping the company officers with the knowledge and the skills and, and the thoughts that they need to have to be successful company officers, then we're going to have poor chief officer candidates. And when you look at really the impact when it comes to like the circle of influence, I call it on, on uh, reducing line of duty debts, you know, if we can get our company officers, the training they need to be better company officers, to be more productive, more, more thought provoking, thought caring, if you will, um, uh, company officers, then they in turn will train our firefighters and mentor them to be better so we got better candidates moving up, which means we have better candidates for fire chief. And the whole system, uh, you know, benefits from that, as well as um, the person that I truly believe has the greatest opportunity to keep firefighters safe and alive is that company officer. You know, you, when there's a lot of duty that Scott, we can, we can, you know, the chief is ultimately responsible. We know that, but but the chief in most places, not all, but most places, is not riding the front seat of the pumper telling you to slow down, stop at the stop sign, get a backup person. He, he's, he or she's not the one that's sitting in the front cab 
when you get there, tell them, okay, put your face piece on before we, you know, put your face piece back on, you know, don't, we're not too far or whatever. You know, it, it's the company officer that has the greatest, put your seatbelt on. I mean, that, that person has the greatest opportunity to reduce those numbers. Um, we just got to get them to step up and lead from the front. Now, five alarm leadership emphasizes teamwork, but in order to pull that off, you have to have a good team. That's hiring. So, what makes for good hiring? Well, I think I think first of all, you have to you have to have a good process. Um, there are some departments that are in such a hurry to hire people, Scott, that they. Um, uh, I call it fill the turnout gear that they just, they're in such a hurry to do it that all they're doing is put people in bunker gear. And let's say they hire 10 people and two of them end up being problems. And I've always said, I'd rather run a little bit short and hire six good ones. They'd be such a hurry to fill 10 slots that I end up with a couple problem children. But I think the hiring processes themselves have a huge impact on who and how you hire. Um, I know some people are kind of hamstrung if it comes to civil service where that's it, you take this written, you do this, but there's still physical abilities, there's still interviews, there's still ways, you know, and, and I guess the, the probably the most important thing you can do, no matter how you, whether you're civil service or not, how you operate, is a, is a good background check and a good background um, system. Um, if you want to eliminate some of those future problems, I mean, Bruno talked about Mrs. Smith. If we want to put the right people in Mrs. Smith's kitchen and in their bedroom with their little kids, we've got to do a better job hiring the right people. Uh, I, I had on uh, one of our shows, our Hump Day Hangouts that we do with Fire Engineering, I had Mark Richards and T Terry McGrath as my co-host, uh, Scott, on the show, but he's the assistant chief of Louisville, Texas, one of the two. And he used to be the, the bomb and arson chief that, that we, in Louisville does all the backgrounds for the hirees and all that. And Mark Richards was his replacement, you know, and Mark Richards, uh, he should package his, his backgrounds program that he has, though he does backgrounds on, on candidates, is incredible. And it's about making sure that, you know, they fill everything out. It's, it's more than just a, a you know, we're going to sit down and take a test. It's about their eye for detail and filling out things correctly and, and making sure they fill them out completely and finishing things because if they can't even fill out an application, Scott, what does that tell you about whether it comes to reports as a paramedic, EMS reports, or how about this? You know, when it comes to searching a room on a primary search, are they gonna, you know, are they gonna search the whole room or just behind the door? You know, if they can't even fill out the paperwork properly to apply for the position, then what are they gonna do once they get there? So we have to have a good process when it comes to selecting our candidates. Not every, not everybody. I'm going to tell you, not everybody's cut out to be a firefighter, and and that's what we got to remember that not everybody's cut out to be a firefighter. But we have to have a process that 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 helps us find those people, and then when we bring them in from day one, Scott, we have to be just like they do in, in the branches in the armed forces. We have to be, you know, right away getting them into what it is we do, believing that you know Mrs. Smith, you know, is the person we should be thinking about that family. And, uh, you know, that business, uh, that nursing home, all that, all the ownership part of it, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and that we have a, there's a, there's a grander purpose here than just putting on a baseball cap, a t-shirt and driving a fire engine or ambulance that, that we have the ability to impact people's lives every day. 
And not always just with fighting fires or running the ambulance. We have so many ways to take care of folks. Get people to get these young firefighters, these young men and women come on a job to realize that it's about those people out there, not us. They come, they, you know, they come first. We come, we, we, we come afterwards. And I think the past couple of years here, we've kind of got that messed up where in some places we're putting us first and them second. That's not, that's not how it should be. And uh, let's see, it was about uh, two weeks ago, I believe, Steve Prisbrowski was on this podcast. He was talking about reasons not to become a firefighter. And obviously one of them, as he pointed out, was to fight fire and save lives because there will be many weeks when there is no fire, but you're still going on runs so you have to be willing to treat those just as seriously as you would treat a structure fire. Well, absolutely. And, and you know, it's it's not like it was in the old days. Heck, the Bronx isn't burning like it used to, and the west side of Chicago isn't like it used to. I mean, they're still busy departments, don't get me wrong, but the the, the greatest impact we actually have is not a, not a, you know, we all love going to a fire, the challenge of, of helping somebody and saving their property and fighting that fire. The energy and enthusiasm, the adrenaline rush that comes with that, or a pin in accident, be able to cut somebody out of their car and save them, all those different things. But th- those are, are kind of, you know, the, the, the minority if it comes to uh, and our workload. When, when you know, that, that we do so much more outside of those emergency runs. Um, the things but, that are done nowadays require more in the realm of customer service skills. I mean, putting out a fire is one thing, but providing emergency medical service to a patient is entirely different. Exactly. And and what we're looking at, how we're doing it, uh, uh, you know, um, keeping up with, with everything going on from some of the drug problems we have that, have, that have, you know, every, it seems like every 10 years there's another challenge we're facing uh, until we grab a hold of that. But you know, you know, I'm a big believer. You know, and, and I gleaned this from from Chief Brunacini years ago was the customer service stuff works. If you want a better budget, if you want to reach out to the public better, if you want your bosses, I mean, the best way to get into your bosses' good graces, the, the you know the elected officials, is is to get into the good graces of the people that put them in office. And you know, I'm a big believer. We, we you know, in Louisville, they still do a lot of the programs we we're doing. I was there a couple of years ago. It's that our literacy program, you know, 13 elementary schools, every one of them, kindergarten through fifth grade, participates in a book reading program called Blades in a Trail for Literacy. And the child that re- reads the most minutes is declared the winner. They get a book backpack with our patch on it. They get a Barnes & Noble gift card to go buy a book. You know, they get to go buy their own books. They get a, um, a, a hockey puck and a card autograph by one of our honorary fire chiefs, Marty Turco, uh, the goalie that we, former goalie for the Dallas Stars. And then the grand prize, Scott, they get a ride to school in the fire engine on a ladder truck in front of all their friends. That has nothing to do with fighting fires. It has to do with promoting literacy. And when children see a firefighter enjoying reading, they they, they, they know that not only is it important, but that it's fun, when it can be fun, too. Now we're instilling confidence, and, and, and we're helping these young adults, with these young children with self-esteem, which is going to make them more successful later in life. That's just one Forget the fact change in smoke detector batteries and smoke detectors and, and, and all the things we do after the fire for people. And, you know, just, I mean, just us getting out and being in the public 
um, attending functions, being there for people. Uh, I'm telling you, Scott, the, the residents of Louisville for the longest time, they had no idea. They, they assume that the, the guys are great at fighting fires. And don't get me wrong, they were. They, they know how to fight fires. They know how to do EMS there. What they remembered was the Santa Claus program. They remember the book reading program. They remember the time we came up, fixed the door, that we had to break to get to someone's you know elderly mom that was on the floor. They remember all the things we did that wasn't like what you would think. Some of it, you wouldn't even know that the fire department does that we would do to reach out to these folks to take care of them. And all this goes back, like you said, the whole five alarm leadership. That was just the title we used. You know, we came up with. You know, to grab like you know, it was the hook. But when you looked at like you know what we're going to be doing with with the subhead is real leadership with real people in Prescott. It, it's just that you know it, it's not we, we're not talking about make believe leaders. We're not talking about someone who's never been in the workforce out there. We're not talking about someone that you know treats everybody like a machine. We're talking about real people with re, you know with real leadership traits that understand what make people tick, what makes for a good employee. But but also, you know, what makes for a good service in the way of what does the public really need? And, you know, the red lights and sirens are, are all great, but there's so much more we can do in the fire service. And so many departments are doing them, Scott. So many different ways to reach out to folks out there. It's absolutely it's mind boggling when you think about how many different ways we can help people that have nothing to do with running EMS calls and fire calls. People who've listened to this show for a while will probably recall I tell this story about every three weeks. I was talking with a Prescott firefighter who went on a run to help a woman get into her U-Haul truck so she could move. And I said to him, what are you doing going on runs like that? And he said, Scott, if we don't help her, who will? Exactly. I mean, there's... Again, there you know, and I don't care. I've told I've told our guys for years that where I just recently served as uh, interim fire chief in Trophy Club, Texas, a great fire department, uh, great chief in there now, Wade Carroll, um, uh, great great people, great men and women working there. It's you know, there's so many other ways to take care of our folks out there. Just being there for them, just you know, um, helping them with, like I said, helping them with things that they never imagined the fire department helping them with. And then in turn, you know, I ask people all the time, don't you, what do you think they're going to say at church or at the store or at the, par- the park or a little league game when they see one of the council members they voted for, the mayor? Um, that, that's where we kind of miss it sometimes, Scott, is we, we miss those opportunities to, to really reach out to the public uh, other than what we, you know, what is normally looked at in the children's books is, is a, you know, what a firefighter does. Okay, Rick Lasky, thanks for joining me today on Code 3. Well, Scott, it was it was, it was was truly an honor. I'm, I'm so glad. I know we had to postpone it. We were all set to do it. And then uh, uh, we had our good good friend, I know a good friend of yours, uh, Chief Chief Brunacini, pass away. And, um, you know, uh, to our to, to your to your listeners, I, I you know, would ask everybody to please keep the family in your thoughts and prayers. And, you know, more importantly, care, you know, take take the the baton and, and run with it. Um, uh, talk about, I don't think legacy Scott even works when it comes to describing Chief Brunacini, uh, a, a great, great man. Uh, but, uh, you know, if we can keep pushing forward with his initiatives, with his programs, the things that he's done, I think we'll continue to, to make the fire service an absolutely credible service organization that we will continue to take care of people and 
all different kinds of ways and all different places. So, but it was truly an honor to be here with you, my friend, and thank you for everything you do. And again, if you want to sign up to hear him speak on November 1st in Prescott or order his book, the information is at code3podcast.com slash Lasky. Have you become a patron of Code 3 yet? It's your opportunity to support this show. We're asking for monthly pledges at all levels, and we're offering rewards for you, too. Join listeners like Blaine Donovan and Steve Rutherford who've already pledged their support. Thanks, guys. We appreciate it. What's Code 3 worth to you? A buck a month? Five? Ten? Maybe more? Just head over to Code3Podcast.com and click on the Patreon link so you can become a patron of Code 3. That's all for this week. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next week with more. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, see you later. Code 3 is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To get in contact with us, visit Code3Podcast.com. And if you haven't subscribed yet, you should. Don't miss an episode. Find us at the Apple iTunes Store, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts.